In November of 2019, I'll give you a moment just to go back there. I think so much has happened since November of 2019, the fact that we are in July of 2021. Well, back in November of 2019, I started running. Now, I'm not being metaphorical, I mean like the literal act of physical exercise, like running. <laughs> and I started running because I was just trying to find a kind of thing that I could do for my own regular personal fitness. You know, some people work out at gyms, some people are involved in organized sport, whatever your thing is, that's cool. But I thought I'd give running a go. And so I continued doing that and throughout 2020, I continued running. And then to be honest, at the beginning of this year, 2021, I was starting to get a little bit bored. Like there was only so many streets in my neighborhood. There was only so many kind of, you know, new ways that I could kind of go. And I was persisting on with it, but I was having a conversation with somebody who is also a runner. And we we're talking about it. And this person said to me, have you heard of guided running apps? And I was like, no, I have not heard of guided running apps. And so they started sharing some different apps that you can just download onto your smartphone. And a guided run, just, just out of curiosity, could you put your hand up if you have heard of a guided run? Okay, a few of you, that's fine. It's okay if you haven't, no condemnation, it's all good. But essentially, this is what a guided run is. And so there is an app, there's different apps. When you're about to go for a run, you can go into the app and there's like a menu of different types of runs and you choose one and you put in your earphones or your AirPods and a running coach, it's pre-recorded, but a running coach will speak into your ear through the duration of the run and they are coaching you as you run. And obviously because of the whole, you know, GPS systeming on, on, through it all, they can see how fast you're going and like the app does. And so they time the coach with where you're at in the run. And so it might be they're like, okay, you got two more minutes left and then you can slow down, they count you through it. And it was fantastic. I suddenly realized that I just needed somebody telling me what, what to do when it came to my running. Somebody that could be speaking into my ear, motivating me, telling me how many more minutes I had to go, what I had to do. And then they'll do motivational things like, going, you know, check your breathing, you can do this, you know, like all of this kind of motivational stuff. So I really got into them. One particular morning when I was going out for my run, I saw a run that I hadn't noticed before and the title of it caught my attention and it was called The Recovery Run. The Recovery Run. Now, I kind of laughed because for me, that's a bit of an oxymoron, a bit of a contradiction. One does not recover and run will so I thought, right? And so I kind of looked at this and I was intrigued and so I pressed the little description and it said The Recovery Run is simply a 20-minute run for perhaps when you're just needing to unwind, if you're feeling tense in your muscles, perhaps you know, you've had a busy week, it's your weekend or the end of the day or the start of a day and you just need to relax a bit. Now, I was intrigued because in all the times I'd been running, I never thought that by the end of it, I could be feeling relaxed. Normally, like I'm panting and I'm huffing and puffing, but this run promised me that at the end of the 20 minutes, I would feel relaxed. So I was intrigued and so I did that particular run. Now, to cut a very long story short, the description really did match up to, you know, to the reality of it because at the end of it, I didn't feel exhausted, I didn't feel drained, and I really did feel relaxed in my body. And I thought, that's it, I'm just gonna do recovery run every day. No, just kidding. <laughs> I mix it up a bit. But it's become a part of my regime. Now, 
The thing is, over the past couple of months, as I have been incorporating this recovery run, what I didn't realize that the Holy Spirit was about to start doing in my life was beginning to show me and bringing up in my own devotional time when I was reading the Bible, conversations I'd end up having with people unexpectedly, and this particular word, this theme, just kept on coming up. I wonder if you can work out what word that is. It's the word recovery. And I've titled this message today, that very word, recovery. And when we think of the word recovery, what we often think of is perhaps maybe there's been an injury, maybe a physical injury, perhaps we think about a situation that happens that can be perhaps a tragedy or just a challenge or a trial, and we're trying to navigate our way through it. And then we kind of come a bit to the end of it, and we're feeling fatigued, and we're feeling tired, and we're feeling a bit shell-shocked from it all. And then that's where we technically begin this journey of recovery. And when you look up the different definitions of this word, one of the definitions is to return back to a normal state of health, of mind, or of strength, or to gain back something that has been lost or taken away to recover back. There's all these different definitions. And also throughout scripture, we see this word recover and recovery come through in many different ways and many different definitions. Now, we are all in different seasons of life right now. But I want you to know that I just really feel that God is wanting to take all of us in some form or some way in along this journey of recovery, if you will. And I say that because if we just even look at these past 18 months, if we just look at what has happened globally across our nation, all the different things, there is not one person that has not been at all impacted by the events of the past 18 months. And on top of just what is happening and what has happened within our world, personal life has still continued on. And here we are in summertime in our part of the world where it's a natural season where people begin to go on holidays or perhaps have been on holiday. And it's this sense within the seasons where we're given this permission to to take a bit of a breath. And I just really sense that just as that running coach on that app that I was listening to on that guided run was guiding me through this recovery run. I wanna share today from scripture where the Lord himself reveals himself as the one who can help each and every one of us recover from whatever circumstances come our way in our lives. Is that okay? Because I really believe that God, he's looking at you right now, here in this service, here in Copenhagen, in Olbo, in Malmo, on our online service, He's looking at us and you know, he cares about the state you are in right now. He doesn't just see a crowd, he sees the individual, he sees the one. And he sees the state you're in right now, he sees the state of you physically, he sees the state of you emotionally, he sees the state of you mentally, he sees the state of your relationships, of your family, of your finances, of what's happening in your workplace and your studies. He sees the state of it all and he lovingly cares. And so call this, if you will, a form of recovery run. However, it's not through an app. It's not through a pre-recorded running coach. We're gonna turn to the word of God where we see time and time again throughout Old Testament and New Testament, many different examples of how our Lord and Jesus Christ, when he's on earth in the New Testament and the gospels, how he takes people on a recovery journey. Is that okay? And so I wanna open with the passage that we're going to end with at the end. I just already want to say that this, this, is going to, this passage I'm about to read out is going to be the bookends of this sermon. We'll return back to it. But in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30 in the message version, 
These are the words of Jesus. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And so what we're going to do is we're going to explore just three themes that we see throughout Scripture in connection to this whole idea of recovery. And it's actually three different ways that I believe that God wants to have have all of us experience in the weeks and months ahead in light of where we are at in the globe right now, across how the, the, the globe is at, where the nation is at. We're beginning now to regather as a church, being able to physically gather again. We've all kind of coming into now this state of recovery from what has taken place over these past 18 months. And so one of the things that I believe that God would have for all of us in this season is this. The first thing is rest for the body. Rest for the body. In the Old Testament, we read about this prophet called Elijah. And I'm not gonna go into lots of details of this particular example, but Elijah was a man who experienced extreme highs and lows, just like all of us. In fact, when you read through his story and you read through all the different things he experienced, it was like a major roller coaster for him at most of the time. Extreme highs and extreme lows. And I wanna read from 1 Kings chapter 19, a following passage that gives you a bit of insight into one time in his life when he was at an extreme low, even to the point where he just wanted to rest his head on the ground, fall asleep and not wake up again. Thus how depleted he was physically, emotionally and mentally and spiritually. And we read this, then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. This is Elijah. All at once, an angel touched him. It's an angel of the Lord. And he said, get up, and eat. And he looked around and there by his head, now I want you to really catch this, he's laid down and he's put his head down on a certain spot and all at once, immediately, not like five minutes later, 10 minutes later, a day later, all at once, here comes the angel of the Lord and he speaks to Elijah and he says, get up and eat. And I just love that because Elijah is so exhausted He doesn't have to move very far to get to that source of food because it was right there by his head where he lay. And he looked there and there was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And so he ate and he drank and then was just able, obviously, to lay back down again. And then the angel of the Lord came back a second time. It wasn't just a bit of help initially. The angel of the Lord came back and checked in once again, comes back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. The first response was, no, this is just what you gotta do. Have something to eat, have something to drink, and now go back to sleep again. Bit more energy comes back to him. The second time around, the angel elaborates and says, yes, continue eating, continue drinking, and continue having a rest now. It's because what's ahead of you right now is a bit too much. But the whole inference here is that if you trust me and help me, let you help me, let you recover and you let me help you in this recovery, suddenly the inference is that the journey will be possible. Yeah. And so then he's, 
He gets up and he eats and he drinks again and strengthened by that food, he then travels 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Isn't that phenomenal? That that encounter by simply eating and drinking and resting and that cycle happening twice, all coached as you will, all inspired by this angel of the Lord, enables him to then take a 40 day, 40 night physical journey. An absolute miracle when you consider how depleted he was at the beginning. Now, let me fast forward a little bit. We're going to go to the New Testament now. We're going to go to Jesus having a conversation with his 12 disciples. And you see, at this point in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 30 and 31, all of the disciples, they've just had a very busy season of doing the work of the ministry. Jesus has been discipling them. He's been teaching them. And then he's said to them, you go out now and you try and do what I do. You teach people. He's training them up in the ministry. And then they come back to Jesus in Mark 6, verses 30 and 31. It says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and all they had taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Once again, there is this theme of rest and to have something to eat. Now, right now, that just sounds so practical right now and it seems so small and insignificant, but I'm gonna give you a third example and I'm gonna thread it together for you. We then go to John chapter 21. And this is a point now where Jesus has already been crucified and has already risen from the dead. The crucifixion and the resurrection have taken place. And you might be familiar with one of the apostles and his name was Peter. And Peter, he, he was a valiant man and, and loved to be in the thick of it, was right there with Jesus and so many of their adventures. But then Peter experiences something that breaks his heart and he realises his own weaknesses and his own failings when he denies Jesus three times just before Jesus is crucified. You're probably aware of this. And so we've got to keep that in mind in the context of this because we've got Peter who has denied Jesus three times and then he watches his Lord and Saviour get crucified. You can imagine his guilt and his shame and, and how he's feeling emotionally and mentally and how downcast he is in his soul. And then Jesus, he rises from the dead and then here we have a moment where he reveals himself to Peter and some of the other disciples. Peter being a fisherman when Jesus first called him, he's now returned back to that vocation. He's returned back to being a fisherman, back out there on the boats fishing. And we read in John 21 verse 12, one of the disciples, Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times before Jesus was crucified, Peter returned, he, oh sorry, that's, sorry. After that, John 21 verse 12, it says that Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Jesus says to them, isn't that incredible? How Jesus, he's looking at Peter and he's looking at these disciples and the first thing he says to them is, come and have breakfast. Come and sit down with me and eat. Out of all the things that Jesus could have possibly said, he says to him, come and have breakfast. And it's at that point that then Jesus reinstates Peter back into ministry once again. We have here this common theme, this response of the Lord in the Old Testament and of Jesus here in the moments of needing to recover the permission to rest, 
the permission to nourish and to take care of your body, permission to be kind to yourself and allow your body to recover. But I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm in the middle of challenge and when I'm trying to resolve certain things, I kind of sometimes have it in my own head that, Selena, you cannot rest until you get this sorted out. You need to work hard. You need to strive. You've got to look at all of the options. You've got to do all the things. You've got to try and solve all these problems. And once it's all worked out, then you can rest. But what I've learned of our Lord is that when we are sleeping, He is not. He is not a Lord who slumbers. And when we give ourselves permission to rest, He is still working. While we rest and while we have seasons of recovery, the Lord is still at work. And you don't need to be afraid that if you take some time out and take some time to rest and to recover, the universe isn't gonna fall apart. Our Lord, the one who holds the universe, the one who is totally good and totally controlled at the same time, He is still working on your behalf. He wants us to experience rest for the body. The second thing is this. The second thing that I believe God would have us experience in this next season is the refilling of the soul. The first one was rest for the body. And this is the number two, the refilling of the soul. Hmm. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I loved watching our nation give expression to desperation. And that was in the form of the football. Now, I enjoyed watching particular matches and when I watch sport, which is not often, but when I do, I not only enjoy what's actually happening amongst the players, like the actual game itself, I really love watching the crowds as well and their responses and how expressive, expressive they are. Like total loss of abandonment, the expression and the shouting and the oh and the, all the expressions. It's like people just let themselves go free and fully express how they're feeling. That desperation to win, that desperation for that player to kick that goal. Oh no, they missed it. That absolute desperation that goes on. How many of you can relate to such expression desperation? We read in Psalm 42, a psalmist man who is also expressing the same sort of desperation. Except it's not desperation for his team to win a match. It's not the desperation of somebody who's wanting to see their team become victorious. It's the desperation of a man whose soul is empty and he desperately needs it to be filled back up again. And we read in Psalm 42, these words, verses one to five, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God." These past couple of days have been really hot. The weather's been fantastic. It's been some great summer days. And over the dinner table one evening, our five-year-old son, Frederick, he had just finished drinking his water from a cup. 
And he kind of plunked it back down on the table and he was like, I'm thirsty, I need more water. And so we kind of poured up his cup again and he grabbed it and then he, and he drunk all of it again and he put it back down and, again, and he said, oh, I need some more water. And so we filled it up and we just kept on giving him water until he was satisfied. And what struck me in that moment was the absolute confidence of my five-year-old that he can present to his parents an empty cup and say, would you please give me some more water? Would you please fill it for me? And he kept on asking until he was totally satisfied. There are times when our soul is like that cup. It's empty. We have a heavenly Father who is there, who is the living water, who would say to each and every one of us in these seasons of recovery at times that we can go to Him with desperation and say, Jesus, would you please fill my cup? I am desperate. I need a refilling of my soul, my emotions and my mind and just where I am. Only you can satisfy the refilling of the soul. God is with us all the time. He is with you all the time. But I believe that there are certain seasons sometimes when we feel empty and we need to intentionally enter into His presence through thanksgiving and through worship and through declaring of the Word of God, presenting ourselves desperate and in surrender and desiring a God encounter. There are some times when we need to make a decision in the midst of our emptiness, in the midst of times when we feel that we're running on empty, that we get ourselves into our bedroom or into a lounge room where nobody else is around and we put on that worship music, we turn to the Word of God and we stand before in His presence and say, God, please fill my cup. Please fill me. Please fill my soul. I believe that in times of recovery, our Lord wants to draw us back to Him as the ultimate source, the only one who can fill us, the only one who can refill our soul, the refilling of the soul, rest for the body and the refilling of the soul. The third theme that we find throughout Scripture is this one, which I believe that God would have us experience in this season ahead, is this the reviving of hopes and dreams. The reviving of hopes and dreams. So, so far we've had rest for the body, we've had the refilling of the soul, and now the reviving of hopes and dreams. In the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible in the Old Testament, we read the story of a young boy, and then he grows into manhood. His name is Joseph. Probably so many of you are familiar with his life and his story. As a young boy, he has a dream. God gives him several dreams actually to do with his future. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I have a dream, when I get a bit of a hope inside of me, I want it to happen tomorrow. Can I be honest? Can anyone else with me? You kind of had this great idea, you get a dream, you get an idea and you're like, okay, can this just happen tomorrow? But what we see throughout Scripture is that every time the Lord gives somebody a dream, no, unfortunately, it doesn't just happen the next day because it's a dream for the future. And so therefore, the person receiving the dream at that time, they're not yet ready for that dream actually to become a reality in their life in that moment. It's there to be able to spur them on and to keep them going until they finally reach that point. But so much happens within Joseph's life, doesn't it? From the time that he receives the dreams to the time that those dreams become a reality. 
He gets wrongly accused of things. He's sold into slavery. He is thrown into prison. He goes through several decades of trial and tribulation until finally the dreams begin to become a reality. Now, what is interesting is that we read in Genesis that as the dreams are starting to become a reality for him, it says that Joseph then remembered his dream. It says, Joseph then remembered. Now, that is not just a coincidence, it's written that way. When you look at how narration and how stories are written, and this is narrative text, these sorts of phrases and the way that they're used are critical to the whole thread of the whole story. In Joseph suddenly being recorded that he then remembered his dream, it clearly indicates that he had forgotten about them to begin with. There are times when we forget our dreams. There are times when the challenges of life, when we go through tough seasons, that the hopes that we may have had, the dreams that we may have had, the sense of direction and the purpose and the goals that we had for our future, we can quickly forget them as we go into survival mode, as we go into just coping with one day to another, sometimes hour by hour. And when Joseph, when it says there that he remembers his dream, it struck me of how easily at times we can be in a season where we think we've just simply forgotten them. But the Lord does not forget. The Lord does not forget because he is the one that's given you the dream to begin with. And we may forget the dreams at times. We may lose hope at times, but our Lord does not forget. And you need to be encouraged right now that if you find yourself in a challenging season, when you're in just this recovery season, I believe that dreams and hopes that they are going to be revived once again, because the Lord has not forgotten what He promised you a few years ago. The Lord has not forgotten about that dream that He gave you when you were a young child. The Lord has not forgotten about the different hopes that you have. And right now, it may not seem like it could ever come together, but just as it says that Joseph suddenly remembered, I believe that in this next season, that the Lord would begin to revive hopes and dreams and that people would begin to step into the fulfilment of many of those dreams where you'll find yourself in a season of, hang on a minute. Oh wow, look what's happening. Oh, I remember, I used to believe for that. I used to dream about that. I used to hope for that. Oh, I had forgotten and now I remember because the Lord has not forgotten. He is the Lord who's helped me recover and He's given me rest for my body and He's refilled my soul and He has not forgotten the dreams. He has not forgotten the hopes and He is reviving them, Ephesians 3. Verse 20, it says, Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for His miraculous power constantly energises you. It is His strength. It is His power. When we feel weak, He is strong. When we are in times of weakness and in challenge, He is still on the throne, almighty, powerful God, the one who does not slumber, the one who does not forget. I wonder what has resonated with you throughout these scriptures that we've looked at in these past 20, 25 minutes or so. So the rest for the body, is it the refilling of the soul? Is it the revival of hopes and dreams? 
Well, what we're going to do together here as a church congregation in Copenhagen, also in Olbo and in Malmo and online, we're going to spend a few moments which I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you, that He's going to speak personally to you. Because if you remember, there was a passage of Scripture that I started at the beginning of this message and I said we'd go back to it at the very end. Well, this is what we're going to do. Perhaps if you've been taking notes, or you've got your phone in your hand or a pen in your hand, Bible in your hand, just encourage you just to pop it down or pop it down next to you. Get yourself comfortable in your seat. And if you're comfortable, I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. If you're not comfortable closing your eyes, you don't need to either. You can just you know, stare up at the ceiling or just straight ahead, whatever just makes you feel comfortable in this moment. Because I'm now going to read Matthew 11, 28 to 30 again. We can do this several times. But as we do this, I want you, first of all, to pay attention to a word or a phrase that stands out to you the most. And there's no right or wrong answer. We have a Holy Spirit, we have God who speaks to us uniquely through the Word of God. And right now, I can read out a passage and based on whatever circumstance you're in, there can be a certain word that stands out to you that is not a word or phrase that stands out to the person next to you. But I want you just to close your eyes and open up your hearts and to give this a go and go, okay, God, I'm gonna listen to this scripture. And I want there to be a word or a phrase that just stands out to me where I know, oh, that is actually for me. Can we do that together? Just ask you to close your eyes. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. The word may have been tired. The phrase could have been freely and lightly. The word could have been unforced. The phrase could have been come to me. Whatever that word or phrase is that stands out to you the most, as I now read this passage a second time, I want you to be saying to the Holy Spirit, okay, why does that word or phrase stand out to me right now? And the reality is we can try to work it out in our own intellect. We can try and reason in our own mind, oh, okay, it's probably because of this and because of that. But I just want you to suspend that desire to try and work it out intellectually. But once again, as you hear the Word of God, say, okay, Holy Spirit, why does it stand out to me? What is this in connection to? Here we go. Are you tired? Worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. So walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. 
Then finally, I'm going to read it one more time. Yeah, a third time. And this time, I want you to think about that word, think about that phrase, think about what you believe it's in connection to. And now pray, God, what is my next step in light of this? What direction do I now need? What next step do I need to take in light of what I'm beginning to have revealed right now to me? So once again, with your eyes closed, just in a state of just listening and contemplation, here we go. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Heavenly Father, you see every single person here and you see what they're experiencing right now. And I pray that as we head into this next week, that these verses, this word, that phrase would come back to their remembrance, that it would not be forgotten. That God, you'll continue to unpack for them the direction they should go. That you would grant them rest for the body if it's needed, a refilling of the soul if it's needed, the reviving of hopes and dreams if it is needed. In Jesus' name.